We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the fine folks at B-Dub. And I am coming to you during halftime of the Los Angeles Rams-Seattle Seahawks Thursday night football game, which, funny enough, just went into halftime, culminating with a very exciting one-minute drill for the Seahawks that resulted in a missed field goal goal from one Jason Myers. So uh, just always good to get get a laugh and see all this excitement about about driving down the field and, and making something happen. And then... You get all the way down there, and then the kicker just misses the kick. And you go in with no points and no additional points. Right now, the Seahawks are winning 7-3. to three. We'll see how that game works out. Um, some implications within the division. Obviously, the 49ers are 0-1 uh, in the NFC West. They're in last place behind the first place 4-0 uh, Arizona Cardinals. Then you have the Rams at 3-1. and The Seahawks at 2-2 two and two with a division win over uh, the 49ers, and then the 49ers also at 2-2. Two and two. Um, But that tiebreaker would go to the Seahawks because of the division win. So um, some implications here as far as, I mean, any any divisional matchup, there's always implications. That, that much is obvious. You don't need me to tell you that. And then on the same week, the Rams play the Seahawks. The 49ers, of course, are playing the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. Uh, easily their biggest, toughest matchup of the season. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are absolutely on fire right now. And like I said, 4-0. So, but before we get to that, we're going to talk plenty about them, as well as what the uh, what the 49ers coaches have to say about them. 
Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, let's get into some injury stuff because you know I know that's what you always want to hear it's because it's always just so positive and uplifting with the 49ers to talk about the injuries. So let's let's lead off with that. Why not? Didn't practice today. Defensive lineman Eric Armstead. That's not injury related. He's just getting a, a vet day off, some rest, um, and that is the only person not practicing that was given a veterans day off on Thursday. Uh, Samson defensive lineman, Samson Ebukam is dealing with a hamstring injury. Defensive lineman, DJ Jones dealing with a knee tied in. George Kittle is still nursing that calf. And I don't know if that injury was exacerbated or made worse by Jimmy Garoppolo's errant throw against the Seahawks. Everybody remembers that incident where George Kittle went down, looked like he was seriously hurt, popped right back up, and everybody was like, oh my God, thank goodness. Now, and then, uh, you know, to wrap up that list of not practicing on Thursday is Kwan Williams, who surprisingly hasn't been put on injured reserve, and he's still dealing with a calf injury. So they must have gotten some relatively positive news in regards to him and whether or not, you know, when he'll be back, back at it. Um, and round, I said K1 Williams was the last one. It wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo, of course. Uh, he's dealing with a calf injury. He did not practice today. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, as well as uh, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel, have have made it seem like there was a very realistic chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could play. But as of now, he has not practiced. And we'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later. Limited today, kind of the same crew. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw. I think we're going to be seeing him in limited fashion on the practice reports often because uh, they've just made it clear, whether it's John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, that Javon Kinlaw's knees may kind of always be a thing. Uh, hopefully that's not the case and they, they recover kind of like during an offseason and he doesn't have to worry about them anymore. But they were a thing coming out of college. You know, I know you hear those rumors about whether or not Javon Kinlaw was even on the draft board of other teams. And the 49ers have already said that they knew about it. And he's, they're kind of just taking care with that. You know, they, they know that they need him on Sundays. So whatever they have to do throughout the week to make sure he gets there, that's what they're going to do. Joining him on the limited list was running back Elijah Mitchell, who I believe it seems like he's trending to play. I know that we earlier in the week, he had, basically no limitations and Kyle Shanahan had said that it was basically pain management at this point um, with that shoulder injury. And we'll see where that goes. It would be nice to have him back in the backfield, uh, especially given how, how well he was to start or how, how good he seemed, how well he performed to start the season. And then you have cornerback Josh Norman, who is coming off that really, really weird chest injury where he had internal bleeding, spitting up blood seemed really, really serious. And then they may, kind of made it seem that he had a chance to play on Sunday against the Seahawks. He didn't, but now he is uh, he's practicing without any sort of a non-contact jersey, which is always a good sign. And um, defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan said he's still got some kind of milestones to cross, but there was a chance that he, uh, Josh Norman would be playing uh, against the Cardinals. Practicing in full, meaning making a full return, was center Alex Mack, who was given a day off yesterday. And then tackle Trent Williams, who I know that there was kind of some conflicting reports out there. As far as the practice report that I have um, sent by the team, full participant in practice Thursday. It's in that section, Alex Mack and Trent Williams. And I know he also spoke to the media um, after practice and basically said really funny, almost almost 
maximum troll that the the cart that he took off the field after injuring his shoulder against the Seahawks was really just more about convenience and not having to walk, which is just so funny to think about because everybody out there knows the moment you see a cart, you think that, that basically that player's season is done. And, and there's plenty of times where that is not the case, but that's just, there's also many times where that is the case. So you could tell in Trent Williams' face that he was kind of having a laugh at that. But um, as from what I can tell, he is expected to play on Sunday uh, against the Cardinals, which is just a massive, massive sigh of relief. Like when Trent Williams went down on Sunday against the Seahawks, that entire stadium just went quiet. It, you know, he, he, it, was, it was just a weird moment because it was the second time wasn't the, I mean, it happened twice, actually, now that I say that. The first time he went off the field, it was because of cramps. He came back on before the offense's next drive, and the, the, the stadium basically cheered when he came back out. And then he ended up going down again. Now, he tried to, like, kind of hobble back to the huddle with a, you know, kind of a gimpy arm with the shoulder injury. And I believe the sideline kind of just told him to go down so that they could, you know, send, obviously not use the timeout and send the medical staff out there. And again, the stadium kind of just went quiet and then went quiet furthermore when he was carted off the field. And again, it's just whenever a player is carted off the field, you assume the worst. And it was just really funny to see uh, Trent up there smiling about it, saying that the cart was basically a convenience uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it, it just it had that news had such an impact. So Trent Williams looking like he's good to go. Still the absolute beast that he is. Um, it, it will, uh, it will be interesting to see if there's any lingering effects from that, but not like we'd be able to tell anyways, because he's just an absolute beast and a 80 or 90% Trent Williams is still the best tackle in the NFL. So it's, it's, it's wild. Um, continuing on kind of with the, the injury news we you guys have already known about this one. You know, I, I think we talked about it on the last pod, but it was really weird how the whole Robbie Gold situation went down. He was part of pregame warmups and and apparently injured his groin during those pregame warmups. So Mitch Wisnowski, the team's punter, had to come out and kick field goals and obviously missed a, a few of them. And I was sitting amongst the crowd, and it was just funny to hear them react because you could tell they had no idea that or at least most of them that I could hear with an earshot had no idea that Robbie Gould had even come out of the game. They thought that was the kicker and they just couldn't understand why he was missing these field goals. And, you know, being the observant hawk of a, of a blue wire podcast network reporter that I am noticed that that was not Robbie cool. It was Mitch Wisnowski and he was doing his absolute best to hold it, hold it together back there. So good on him, but they're not going to stick with that method. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski will not be continuing on as the 49ers field goal kicker. They did sign uh, former Texans kicker uh, Joey Sly, who if you play fantasy football, you probably know him. I had him for a portion of last season. Uh, solid kicker. I believe he was 7 of 8 on field goals uh, in three games for the Texans this season before they released him. I don't know if they had a kicker on injured reserve or if they just decided to go a different way. And then I think he was also what I believe was four or five on extra points. So not spectacular, not horrible. He's been there. He's done that. It's definitely somebody that you can, uh, that you can throw out there to kick field goals and not just feel bad about it. Right. Um, 
Definitely has a strong leg, capable of, of easily capable of, of the 50-plus range. I don't think he necessarily has the accuracy that Robbie Gold has. I mean, not many do. Robbie Gold is one of the best kickers to ever do it, really. And um, But, again, the, the, the point being, it's not kind of like it has been in years past. They got a pretty solid guy that should be able to keep them from – that should be able to not be a liability. That's what you want from a kicker that you have to kind of sign off the streets is if we need a field goal you know, inside of 40 yards, just make it. You know, much easier said than done, especially me from my cushy office chair. But at the same time, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's just you just don't want somebody out there that you're kind of like gritting your teeth, wondering if they're even going to know what they're doing. And that, I mean, I can't, can't remember exactly when it was, but I mean, you had that. I think it was Chase Chase McLaughlin. I it, forgive me if I'm missing up my kickers. The 49ers have gone through quite a bit my past few years. That sailed that kick wide left. Uh, against the Seahawks to to win that game, and uh, and that ended up kind of pushing things off. I think that was during the Super Bowl run, and that ended up pushing things off till that 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 final game uh, in Seattle later in the season to really uh, capture the division. So kickers can definitely keep it interesting. We've already seen that plenty of times during uh, during the season. So I'm glad the 49ers were able to get somebody that should be able to just keep it consistent. But again, knock on wood. I don't know. Hopefully that's the case. But um, I think that kind of sums it up for kind of like the the update part of the podcast. We are going to uh, we're going to quick get a quick word in from our sponsors over at TickPick. Uh, then we're going to come back. We're going to go over some comments that were made by offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel, um, defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's, uh, some comments made by Kyle Shanahan, and just kind of how those take us into Sunday's game against the Cardinals. So. 49ers football is finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees so that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee, in bold, the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it and you can find a better price for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So you got nothing to lose. 49ers, their next home game is coming up in a couple weeks against the Colts after the bye. Make sure you're getting on TickPick to check that out. Visit TickPick.com gold, as in striking gold, today and use the promo code GOLD to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. I'm going to repeat that for y'all. TickPick.com slash gold using the promo code gold to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Hey, I'm telling you, Levi Stadium has been popping this year. Okay, the 49ers need to come through and win their own damn games. Uh, you know, they lost against the Packers and they lost the next week against the Seahawks, both home games. That, you know, that doesn't necessarily... Give the fans much reason to cheer, but at the same time, so far through the season, Levi Stadium has been rocking. You know, the fans have really been holding up their end of the bargain. So get over there. Be a part of that magic. Check it out. TickPick.com. Promo code GOLD. Do it. Do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now, one of the first uh, coaches to talk today uh, was offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel, who's just a super, super interesting dude. Like, he is... You think of that football guy in big old quotes that we see all the time in these press conferences. Mike McDaniel is not like that. Um, he is very, he seems very genuine, very intelligent, very unique. Just not he just doesn't give off the normal football vibes that you expect to expect to see from a head coach or excuse me, an offensive coordinator or an NFL coach. But he kind of talked for a while about all things basically Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Uh, he started off by saying that Jimmy Garoppolo, although he hasn't been practicing, he has been taking every practice rest rep virtually along uh, along with quarterback coach uh, Rich Scangello. Scangarello. Had to make sure I corrected myself on that because it's not that hard to say. I just always mess it up. And I take my name pronunciations very seriously. I don't know why. I just do. Whether it's my students in my class, whether it's, you know, we used to do those uh, green room sessions. Um, formerly known as locker room. And every time a new guest would come on, I just would be so concerned about getting their name right. Anyways, let's continue. He said he was taking all the practice reps, reps virtually, which just instantly made me roll my eyes. Like after the last year and a half of what we've all went through, I don't want to hear about anybody taking anything virtually. 
Like I'm just over it. I apologize for that. But I mean, like I just said, I am a school teacher and I had to do entire classes with 47th and 8th graders virtually. And the term virtually just irks me at this point on. So the moment McDaniel said, oh, no, don't worry about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been taking all of his reps virtually. I'm like, bullshit, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Does not mean he's practicing. Does not mean he's he's any closer to practice or to playing on Sunday. Um, Mike McDaniel's what was asked if they were installing like Trey Lance specific plays, and he said no. He said they weren't. And in in any Trey Lance specific plays, it's not to say they don't have any. He just said any of them that they have, they were installed during the off season, and then that that was kind of one of the huge challenges of the 49ers offseason was creating a effective playbook, not necessarily knowing who the quarterback going into the season was, was going to be. Now, Kyle Shanahan basically always said that it was going to be Garoppolo. And it kind of always seemed like that, despite a couple strong practices from Trey Lance. But despite that, they had to come up with a playbook that was going to feature both skill set, especially if the 49ers were considering utilizing uh, Trey Lance, like we've already seen them done, let alone more often. So they had to create a playbook that had elements of that took advantage of both quarterback skill set. And Mike McDaniel said that was difficult because anybody that's coached football knows like having a lot of plays is great, but it really just means that you're not as good at, at, at any given place. You know, if you have 10 plays, you can become really good at them. In the NFL, we obviously know that's that's a much higher number. But if you want to expand that to 20 plays, then the 10 plays you used to be good at, you're a little less little less effective at them because now you've got to spend all kinds of time learning other plays. And that's kind of the way he worded, he, he kind of phrased it was like, yeah, it's great to make all these trace specific plays, but we have to make sure that we're good at this stuff. We can't just create plays that, yeah, Trey can run them better than Jimmy Garoppolo can, but then you're just spreading yourselves thin, trying to learn all of these different plays and different situations, different scenarios, different schemes, blocks. And, you know, it, they just basically said that they all during the offseason, they put in all the work of trying to create a playbook that they felt balanced. Uh, you know, those two things. Russell Wilson was just sacked for negative 12 yards. I felt you ought to know. Now, one of the interesting things that I thought Mike McDaniel said that made a lot of sense to me as a coach, but you could tell that if you didn't necessarily have coaching experience or any type of mentor, mentorship experience. So I assume maybe, maybe every parent can relate to this, but Mike McDaniel said that, and he even said that this kind of irked Trey a little bit in like a confusing way, was that he was excited to see Trey fail. And he really only meant like he was excited to finally see Trey get in the game so that they can pinpoint more specifically what they were going to be able to work on. And that's kind of really all he meant by saying that he's excited for Trey to fail because you don't know how Trey Lance is going to react to, you know, regular season NFL action until he gets out there. You just don't. And so it, it was clear that Daniel was excited to see that. It gave them areas to identify, to work on. He did kind of mention the fact via a question. He mentioned that Trey Lance at times looked a little bit, looked a little frantic, looked a little rushed. And he didn't necessarily pass the buck on the offensive line, but he did say like, you know, we were having some pass rush issues and they were sending guys after Trey Lance. So he knew he didn't have a lot of time. 
And so it was kind of a combination of things. There was definitely some plays where Trey Lance just looked like he was a little skittish, a little hurried, a little too quick, especially if there's one thing that we can say for Jimmy Garoppolo is that one, he gets the ball out quickly, kind of makes his reads and throws it. And two, he doesn't necessarily, I'm saying this, but I'm kind of thinking I need to contradict myself. He does a decent job of staying in the pocket, maybe because he doesn't have a choice. He's not that mobile. He's made some pretty good moves this year, though, but you could just see the difference in, what's the word I want to use here, in the way they, they handled themselves in the pocket. There were times when Trey Lance definitely looked a little like excited to move rather than kind of just stand there and make the throw he felt he needed to know. But at the same time, and we're kind of getting into this here, a lot of it has to do with reps. Kyle Shanahan mentioned that. We'll get into that later. I don't want to get into the reps things just yet. But one of the final quotes that Mike McDaniel left off about Trey Lance and the the struggles he's shown as a rookie. Uh, but despite that, you know, this was a quote he said. He said, I think every day he, being Trey Lance, I think every day he shows us that he's wise beyond his years, much more mature than I was at his age. I can tell you that much. Very, very smart. And as far as expectations we expected him to be a rookie who threw 300 and some odd passes in college but you know what in an NFL football game this season he's had more two-minute reps than he's had his entire college career so you know that's a great way to to angle the perspective at it and the big thing I would probably say when it comes to Trey Lance and I'll probably mention this again later is there's nobody in that building that just expects him to be able to go about his business with no flaws and no problems Trey Lance was, if you think about it, the riskiest quarterback to pick in the first round. Mac Jones, although not that exciting of a skill set, not risky. Justin Fields, plenty of starting action at very, very high level at Ohio State, not necessarily risky. Zach Wilson, also risky, definitely risky, but at the same time, played a full season last year, was, you know, very well scouted. Everybody... You know, everybody kind of knew what they expected from Zach Wilson, or at least seemed like they did. Now, what we're seeing in the NFL doesn't necessarily mean that's what anybody expected. But, and then obviously you have Trevor Lawrence. And then Trey Lance was the one that played one football game all last year and was incredible the year before, but again, also against a little bit lesser competition. You could say the same thing for Zach Wilson a little bit, but Trey Lance was the riskiest quarterback pick out of them all and at least on a surface level you could dive into each one of them and maybe make a different uh, assumption from that or but I don't think anybody in the building thinks that Trey Lance when he gets his moment whether that's Sunday or in the future or whenever is just going to come out firing on all cylinders there's going to be development and I think that all of the coaches and the way they've talked about Trey make it clear that they don't have any unrealistic expectations and I don't think fans should either it's Trey Lance is, I think he's going to be good. Um, he definitely had his moments against the Seahawks where he did look good. And you could already see, even though they were incomplete passes, the offense became a little more potent, a little more unpredictable, a little more dynamic with Trey back there, making guys miss. Uh, there was one sack. I don't remember who hit Trey, but somebody hit him on his right side. I think beat probably Mike McGlinchey or a tight end and hit Trey on his right side, kind of just near his throwing arm and Trey Lance just bounced right off and, and kind of just went and made a play. 
And it's that type of stuff that we're not seeing because Trey Lance is much bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo. You're talking 6'1", 6'2", 205, 210 pounds versus 6'4", 240 pounds. Much, much different frame. And Trey Lance kind of just bounced right off the guy and then went and did something. And that was something that you're like, ooh, okay. So whether or not, you know, how, how well Trey Lance plays, they know that he's he's a guy with very little experience at a level of competition that wasn't anything close to where he's at now. And they're just, they may be tempering expectations. We probably should too. Sometimes it feels like I'm stating the obvious there, but sometimes it just needs to be said. And then we went over to Miko Ryans, who broke down things from a different perspective. And that kind of leads us into uh, leads us into a little bit more talk about the Cardinals, obviously, as a defensive um as the defensive coach, that's all he's worried about right now is trying to stop the beast that is the Arizona, the 4-0 Arizona Cardinals led by Kyler Murray, who was getting a lot of talk to be kind of like the front runner MVP, at the very least offensive MVP. First thing he was kind of talked about was Josh Norman is coming along. Still got a couple milestones to clear per his words, you know, things he's got he's to get through, whether it's medical or, you know, that type of protocol. And, and I do think that's interesting, the idea that he could be coming back, because I think one of the biggest surprises against the Seahawks game, or in the Seahawks game, was how well Emmanuel Mosley played coming back. And it wasn't his first game back. I believe it might have been his second. Hopefully I'm not dropping the ball on that. But he looked solid, and he had this amazing play on DK Metcalf on a deep shot where Metcalf very, very briefly had caught the ball, and Emmanuel Mosley, who wasn't quite in phase, he wasn't on um, – DK Metcalf's hit, but he was he was close, and he kind of went through and played the hands and knocked the ball out. And he had a couple other plays that I thought were pretty impressive that I'd have to to look more at. But I, I thought he was pretty good. And when Josh Norman's been out there, he's been pretty good too. He had a couple penalties, but there were penalties that Kyle Shanahan didn't seem all that concerned with. And when you saw replays of them, you were like, well, whatever, okay. Uh, they weren't stuff that you were totally, you know, pissed off about. So the idea of having Josh Norman and Manuel Mosley back there might be a little bit better than we think. Then again, could be wrong, especially when you're going up against a receiving core like what the uh what the Cardinals are bringing into bringing into town or what the 49ers are going there to face. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's did go on to say that I mean, I would think it's fair that around the NFL, the first thing people think about when you mention Kyler Murray is his running and his scrambling. But he's been doing a lot, lot less of that. In in, in essence, he's kind of been transforming in the same way we saw Russell Wilson transform. And the fact that Russell Wilson used to run a lot. And over the years, he slowly transformed where it wasn't just running. He was running to pass. And that is what Kyler Murray has been doing. You know, D'Amico Ryan says he can still run. He's still elusive. He's still fast. One of the quickest, fastest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Very talented. And they surrounded him with a lot of playmakers, which makes it a very difficult offense to offend, to, to defend. And he went on to talk about the fact that, yeah, he's he's running, but he's running laterally to try and create space to create to hit that home run. And you can just see in the way the offense has been playing that that's been happening. And, and it's kind of a scary a scary thought to think that everything the Cardinals have produced so far, and I haven't watched every snap by any stretch of the imagination has been more through the air than Kyler Murray doing stuff on the ground, which you know, he's more than capable of one of the quickest players in the NFL in terms of like 
zero to 60. Like you, we, we've seen it many times, just room takes off. So the fact that they could be having this kind of success without Kyler resorting to the ground game is impressive to say the least. Um, D'Amico Ryan's next question was about D Ford who played pretty well against the Seahawks. I believe, let me make sure I check on this for you. Yeah. Ended up with three total tackles, two sacks, which, which results in two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss and a forced fumble, but he only played 12 snaps and D'Amico Ryan's was asked, well, you know, if, if D Ford is playing so well, which he is, then why is he not getting more snaps? And, and is it due to the injury? And D'Amico Ryan seemed a little hesitant to put it on the injury. I don't necessarily believe that it's not. He kind of made made a point to say, well, it's not really the injury. It's just the games kind of kind of dictate how many snaps he gets. But like I said, I'm definitely not sitting here questioning the methods or the motives of a head of a defensive coordinator, but to me, the one thing you would be worried about with D Ford is his injury over everything else. You just want to be able to preserve what he can do for a 17 game season. And if the 49ers can go any further beyond that, we'll see. So maybe it's a little both right now, but if the 49ers can get that kind of a stat line out of him, Minus the the ill timed off offsides penalty, then maybe you know they've got something there, and maybe they don't need to put him out anymore. For the for the defense, and this kind of also blends into kind of what I was thinking in terms of what the 49ers defense needs to focus on. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's mentioned that one of their focuses has been when he start when Kyler Murray starts to scramble, move laterally, run around, I, the first instinct of a defense is to come up and try to tackle him, which in and of itself is going to be tough. But that is like Ryan said, what Kyler Murray wants you to do because he's going to scramble and that includes backwards, he doesn't care to create that space for his pass catchers to get open so that he can hit these ridiculous deep shots that we've been seeing. And that seems to be a big, big focus from D'Amico Ryan's and his defense is let's not pursue, let's not get upfield, let's not get after Kyler Murray, unless it's an obvious situation where we need to. Let's do more, let's commit more to our coverage. Let's force him. If he wants to run around, that's fine. We'll deal with that. But let's not allow him to make that big play. Kyler Murray on his feet, probably not quite as dangerous as Kyler Murray scrambling and chucking it downfield. Those are the big plays. The 49ers are not going to be able to afford to give up too frequently if they want to have a shot against the Cardinals. And so you kind of got where, where D'Amico Ryans was, was coming from. He was also asked about Verrett's performance last year against DeAndre Hopkins, which was just freaking brilliant. I think Hopkins ended up with just a few catches for like 40-something yards, uh, had a touchdown pass in his hands, and kind of like Emmanuel Mosley, different route. It was more of a fade route, just kind of a shorter fade route down the sideline. Um, also went up, played the hands. Hopkins had it in his hands. Verrett went up there and knocked it out. And it was just such an impressive play uh, from a very, very impressive season from Jason Verrett, who, as we know, is is out for the season with the torn ACL. So D'Amico Ryans was asked, like, what do you, what's the most important aspect of putting together a performance like that against one of the absolute best receivers in the NFL? And Ryan said it was all about confidence. It's all about 
believing in yourself and everything you've prepared for when you step up against a guy like that. Because the moment you get in your own head, you allow them to get in your head, that's when you start making mistakes and that's when you start forcing plays. And I thought that was a good little tidbit was to no matter who you are and what position you're in, whether you're the third or the fourth string corner on the on, on whatever, wherever you are, is to just be confident in what you've put in all the work to get to. And you just have to go up against somebody with a swagger that might not be 100% genuine, but you have to walk out there with that belief in yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to get cooked. You're going to get cooked. And he kind of also laughed, kind of finishing up his podcast or podcast press conference. He just kind of laughed at the idea like, oh, well, the answer is to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket, you know, and we heard that so many times. And the only thing that really like, of course, you want to keep a quarterback in the pocket. Of course you do. But these quarterbacks are experts at getting out of the pocket. Russell Wilson, expert at getting out of the pocket. Kyler Murray is too. Uh, Trey Lance will be. So the idea of keeping them in the pocket is just funny, especially when you got a guy like Kyler Murray who's perfectly fine with just sprinting straight backwards and then turning around and rolling right and then rolling left and just waiting for that one guy to finally come open. We've seen it We've seen it a dozen times already. So the, the idea of just, oh, let's keep Kyler in the pocket. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, this little 5'11 speed mouse. Like, yeah, keep him locked, can keep him contained anywhere. And uh, so he kind of laughed at that. And, of course, that's what they want to do. But it's just easier said than done. So they know that they have to prepare for those off-schedule plays. And I think that's why they've been focusing on the coverage element more than just pursuing Kyler was because of just the inevitability that he's going to get outside the pocket. It is what he is. That's what they do. Now, that kind of leads me to on defense for the 49ers coming up against the Cardinals. To me, it's all about the defensive front and the linebackers. Just given the situation at corner, whether it's Diamador Lenore, Emmanuel Mosley, Josh Norman, Dante Johnson. Hopefully I didn't mix any of those names up. Wherever the 49ers are at cornerback, every, anything they get from that group and the, the fact that it keeps mix-matching and we got a new person out there every week, Drake or Patrick, no disrespect. Um Whatever they get out of that group is a bonus to me because it's already kind of taken its lumps and the 49ers went into the season a little thin at cornerback and rolled the dice and it didn't work out. So they're kind of just taking their lumps at that group. But if you want to lean upon a strength of the 49ers defense, it's that defensive front along with the linebackers. And they're going to be the ones that really corral those plays that get out of hand, whether it's a defensive front keeping contain maintaining the fact that Kyler Murray could really only run left and right. Don't let him get up field. And then you got the linebackers that for when that happens, they should be able to move and flow with the play. Like Kyler Murray's fast, but Fred, Will Fred Warner as, as weird as it is to say, this is just as fast. So, but he's almost a foot taller. Those are the guys that have the responsibility of flowing with the play side to side, and making sure that whatever damage Kyler Murray is going to do is at, at the very least limited. Again, way easier said than done. But the 49ers just can't expect to be able to cover forever without any pressure being applied to Kyler. Make him move off his spot, whatever. Not that you necessarily want him doing that, but they've got to find ways to get to them. And I felt like they started off against the Seahawks doing that really, really well. 
And then the Seahawks realized, all right, we'll just get the ball out quicker. We'll just move the pocket a little bit. You know, Russell Wilson ended up rushing for a touchdown. And it, it just, I don't even, I mean, I talk about it like I've got the answer when I don't. That's the biggest thing. It's just, I'm just trying to think if you're going to rely, if you're going to do something right on defense for the 49ers, you have to count on the guys that are, that their strongest, their strongest position group, which is their defensive front and, and their linebackers. So, you're just hoping that those guys can get home often enough to keep Kyler from just doing all kinds of Kyler Murray things, you know? And like I said, kind of like, of course that's what they need to do louder. I get it, but it's either, it's either that happens or the opposite happens, which you have to decide which you feel like is more likely. Uh, Again, we're coming up against a four, no Cardinal team that, has for the most part done anything they wanted to. I mean, if you want a real, real, real quick breakdown against their performance against the Rams, which have a solid team, they they put up 37 points on the Rams. 37 points. They they rushed for 216 yards on 40 carries. That's a lot of carries. 5.4 yards a carry. And Kyler Murray still managed to throw for 268 yards, completed, excuse me, 75% of his passes. Threw for two touchdowns. He had a good day. He had a good day. A.J. Green, 67 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, 67 yards. A.J. Green also had a score. Max Williams, 66 yards and a score. Rondell Moore, 28 yards. You know, And then you got Chase Edmonds down there out of the backfield catching four passes for 20 yards. They just are all over the place. And then that's that's with a down game down a down game for Christian Kirk, who we've seen can be a pretty effective deep threat, was really good the last time they played the 49ers. So they just they gave it to the Rams. And I don't know where the 49ers stack up with the Rams, both on offense and defense. I really just don't. Right now, as we speak, the Rams are beating the uh, the Seahawks 10 to 7 with about midway through the third, excuse me, 9 to 7, about midway through the third quarter. And that's in Seattle. So we saw kind of how the 49ers unraveled against the Seahawks. Maybe that's a good litmus test in terms of how the Rams handle the Seahawks versus, I know football math doesn't ever work like that. You can't like take what the Rams do against the Seahawks and assume that they're going to be able to do that even more to the 49ers because the Seattle's, it just doesn't work like that. It really, really unfolds like that. So it's just tough to, at this point, you know, really feel confident about what the 49ers are going to be able to do against a 4-0 Cardinals team that they couldn't do against the Seattle Seahawks, who are a lesser version of that Cardinals team. So we'll see if the 49ers can switch it up. Obviously, Trey Lance getting a full week of practice with the first team, you know, with an offensive game plan that's tailored to his skill set. That's going to pay huge dividends. I feel like some of his performance, and even even from me, I, I was not kind to Trey Lance in regards to his performance, but some of it has to be attributed to the fact that he didn't get any first-team reps all week. Those were all went to Jimmy Garoppolo around a game plan that was tailored towards Jimmy Garoppolo, and then kind of Trey Lance had to come in and work on it. Like that wide-open Debo Samuel touchdown pass that, that Trey Lance threw, Mike McDaniel says they repped that all week with Jimmy Garoppolo. So it was basically just Trey Lance trying to run Jimmy Garoppolo plays. I don't even know what a Jimmy Garoppolo play is, but you know, it, it 
We'll see. But the you can't. It's indisputable that how much, how much we don't know. But there's no there's no disputing the fact that Trey Lance getting an entirely weak with these starters will pay dividends. Let's hope it shows on the field. We'll see. Again, solid Cardinals team. The 49ers could still get their ass kicked. But what we see from Trey Lance will likely differ quite a bit than what we saw in the second half against the Seahawks. You know, I think I think that's super, super fair to say. And the funny part about all this is I don't really get it per se. Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel have been real vague about Jimmy Garoppolo's chances to start. I get it that, you know, there's no competitive advantage to telling anybody who's going to be starting that game. I also don't know how, like, they're acting like Jimmy Garoppolo has a skill set the defenses need to prepare mightily for. I don't really see that. Jimmy Garoppolo's about as, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's about as <laughs> run-of-the-mill, typical, seems like he'd be easy to prepare for as a quarterback can get. He just stands there. Sometimes he delivers the ball pretty quick. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he makes smart decisions. Sometimes he doesn't. He's not mobile. Uh, you know, it's not like making opposing defenses think that they might be facing off Jimmy Garoppolo against the against the Jimmy Garoppolo will will drastically change how they prepare for the week. Uh, I don't really think so. Uh, but maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe I'm just being ignorant. It just doesn't, the threat of Jimmy Garoppolo isn't scaring anybody. It's the idea that they could be rolling out Trey Lance that really gets people, you know, worried. <laughs> that obviously a much more dynamic player capable of inflicting a lot more damage. Maybe not in his raw current form when you compare to what experience Jimmy Garoppolo has, but still. NFL defenses are way more worried about Trey Lance than they are Jimmy Garoppolo, especially the Jimmy Garoppolo that we've seen so far this season, which hasn't seemed capable of throwing the ball any further downfield than about 15 to 20 yards. So I don't know. I don't know. With me, when it comes to Trey Lance, all I want to see is him effectively operate the offense. Show me flashes of that Trey Lance stuff. That off-schedule plays, the or or the scheduled plays that involve him using his legs a little bit. Show me flashes of that Trey Lance stuff, but just operate the offense. Show me a, a level of comfort that's a step up above what I saw in this against the Seahawks, which shouldn't be hard because he didn't look comfortable. But that's really just what I want to see from Trey Lance. I'm not expecting some crazy ass dynamic performance, you know. Pack uh, Colin Kaepernick against the Packers type stuff where the defense is just wholly unprepared. I'm not expecting any of that. I just want to see a strong Trey Lance that knows how to operate the offense and takes what the defense is giving him. We'll see what that is. You know, we'll see what that is, but don't really know what to expect against this matchup. Like I feel like the 49ers still have the ability to surprise us. Maybe we still haven't seen them. D'Amico Ryan's even said it. Like a lot of the stuff we're dealing with right now is self-inflicted, which to me harkens back to the coaching. You know, like I say that, 
my middle school, my middle schoolers do the same thing all the time. You feel like you've coached and coached and coached and coached and hammered in these one thing, this one thing, these two things, whatever. And then you get to game day and they just do something completely different. Now, middle schoolers have absolutely nothing to do with professional athletes, but I guess I can kind of relate to that side type of frustration, but I just don't really know what to expect from the 49ers against the Cardinals. I kind of said the same thing against the Seahawks. Like I was like, the 49ers could destroy the Seahawks, and it kind of looked like they were going to in the beginning of the game. Then it all unraveled. I don't think the 49ers in any form could destroy the Cardinals, but I do think there's still a possibility they could beat them. I just don't know what that'll look like, especially if it's Trey Lance's first ever NFL start. That would just be wild. It would be headlines. It would be not what we expected. But that just all lends to the fact that I just don't really know what to expect from this 49ers team. If it was Jimmy Garoppolo, I still wouldn't know what to expect because he's inconsistent, and so has been the rest of the team. But adding Trey Lance into that mix and the fact that it looks like he is going to be the starter. uh, Again, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't taken any practice reps all week with that calf injury. I just don't know what to expect, and it's really hard to put a nail on it. Do I think the 49ers win? Probably not because, again, you're talking about the one of the best teams in the NFL. I think they might be the only remaining undefeated team. I'd have to look. If they're not, if the Cardinals aren't, then there's only a couple others. So, obviously facing off of being against a very good team that's coming to their own with plenty of threats, a solid defense, a, a very potent offense, and nothing, you know, in my opinion, a much, much better team than the Seattle Seahawks that just beat the 49ers at Levi's Stadium. So I don't know what to expect. I guess you, I could say it doesn't seem like it'll be a positive matchup. But still, that being said, I, I, I also, that, that lack of, of confidence also applies to the 49ers and that I don't quite know what they're capable of yet. Are we going to see that in Trey Lance is what could be his first start? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot I don't know, guys. I just It's just a weird time right now. I feel like this team is capable of a lot more than they're putting together, but then you throw a brand-new rookie quarterback into that mix, and it's, you know, it's dynamite. Who knows when it's going to go off? So we'll see. But, hey, that'll do it for today. As always, I appreciate everybody for listening to the Striking Gold podcast. I appreciate um, the messages on Twitter. I appreciate the encouragement. It's been awesome. Obviously, you know, it's not ideal getting on here without a a co-host, which who knows when we'll pick that up. We'll see. But y'all have just been great for with the support, and I appreciate it. Um, Make sure you guys are out there listening, subscribing, downloading, rating, commenting, all that stuff. That, that supports the podcast from a you know a statistical point of view. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, Russell Wilson was just sacked for negative nine yards. I thought you might want to know. Thank you very much for listening to Striking Gold. Make sure you're checking out. If you're looking for NFL tickets, make sure you hop on TickPick.com. Promo code GOLD. And uh, hey, you already know what it is. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out.